According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about and is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger, tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive, our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. Thank you for joining me today. Today, I have asked a very special person to join me. I met her about two and a half years ago when she came on staff at Hope is Alive and soon realized that we had very similar stories. And so I'm excited for you guys to get to hear her story as well. So I'd like to welcome Miss Gazelle Fela. Welcome, Gazelle. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm so good. I'm so glad to finally be doing this. I know. We've been talking about it for a long time, yeah, kind of teasing while. about it. And I was like, no, we're going to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Good. So why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about you? I am from Oklahoma City. I am married. I have uh, one son. He's about to graduate from high school Oh my this goodness. Year. How are you doing with that? Uh, I'm okay. It comes okay. and goes. Okay. <laughs> um, he has a friend who has been living with us for the past two and a half years, so she is also graduating as well. Um, I have been married for 28 years. Wow. And uh, actually together for 28 years and married for 21. Okay. Yeah, and I work here at Hope is Alive. Well, it sounds like you have a lot going on with two kids, I could say, about mm-hmm. to graduate. So that's a lot right mm-hmm. now. It so is. thank you. And we're in event season. I know you help with that. So thank you for taking the time to be here with us of today. Course. So let's just dive in a little bit. Um, so Finding Hope, we are a support group for those who love someone with a substance use disorder or mm-hmm. addiction, right? Mm-hmm. So tell our listeners how addiction has impacted your life. Well, in on May 11th, 2008. The dates. I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. My husband called me at work Mm -hmm. and told me that he was, he had to come clean with something that uh, he has been basically, he's had trouble with drugs and alcohol the entire time that we have been together. Um, I did not realize that. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw signs here and there by the time that he had came clean to me. I knew that something was up. I couldn't really place my finger on it, Mm -hmm. but um, I knew that something just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So by the time that he had came clean to me, I had already kind of made my peace with the Lord and just thought, Mm 
I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I, I don't think that this is what a marriage should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of already created like an exit plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so him coming to me just basically like put a finger on what was happening. Like that's why we're not getting along. That's why things are strange in the house. Um, that's why he's been doing things that I really couldn't explain. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. Looking back now, can you see some more of those signs before he had opened up to you? Yes, I was very naive. Okay. Um, I believed everything that he told me. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to throw me off his trail. Um It's strange because he always came home. Mm -hmm. He always had a job. Yeah. He's never been arrested. Um, I just, he didn't show signs of me to someone who was, who needed help. Um, So I... Just really, him coming to me, I just felt at that point, the relationship was kind of, I was ready to move on. Okay. So um, what did you do? Like, okay, because I remember my husband, when I found I found the alcohol, mm-hmm. the listeners have heard me talk about that. And it's like, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, how, what did, when he opened up to you, what did you do? I mean, you said you kind of like started making sense, some of the things, but Mm -hmm. then what did you do next through that conversation? Well, unfortunately I really wasn't by his side. Um, I kind of thought of it as his problem and Mm -hmm. it wasn't my problem. Um, and we have been together for so many years. And at this point, um, I was just kind of almost kind of done. Mm -hmm. And, um, just ready to, like I said, I've made my peace with God and just was ready to move forward. I had, you know, James who was young and, um, I just wanted to make sure that him and I were taken care of. And, um, yeah, I, I totally saw looking back, I saw more signs Mm -hmm. and, um, many more things made sense. Um, it explained him, sleeping all the time Mm -hmm. or um some of his jobs he's worked for um my brothers at different times in his life uh his my brothers would call me and ask where he's at all the time Mm. like during work um sometimes I would find uh stuff in his wallet like I don't know anything about drugs but (laughs) I would find like a powder wrapped up um, in a piece of paper in his wallet. Um, I would just, there were signs, but he would explain it away. Yeah. And I would just believe him. You didn't know anything better. I didn't know any better. You know, and I think I was kind of the same way for a while. Like I didn't know my husband was drinking when he was drinking right there in my own house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so some listeners might be in the same boat and some, or some people might like, how did you not know? You know, and right. you, you just don't, and we just have to know, like, for some reason, God was protecting us through that and have to trust his plan and all of it. 
So did your husband get clean after he came to you that day or what did the next, you know, few weeks or months look like after that? May 11th, that day mm-hmm. that he came to me, he did get clean that day. Um, he basically, neither him or I know any, knew anything about addiction at the time. Yeah. Um, didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. Um, all he knew of is that there was an AA meeting that was near our house. Okay. Um, he could actually walk there. So uh, he asked me to drop him off there, and um, and he just basically attended. He did a ninety and ninety, okay, ninety meetings in ninety days, and so um, I actually thought he needed more than that. That's basically quitting cold turkey, mm. and for as long as he's been in his addiction. I thought he needed something more. But again, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to turn. We didn't know what resources were available to help him. Um, I, again, I was. uh, So if, let me stop you for just mm -hmm, a second. mm -hmm. So he was going to 90 meetings in 90 days. Mm -hmm. What were you doing for yourself during that time? Like I was leading to earlier, I did not really stand by him. Mm -hmm. After years and years of just um, not understanding what was happening with our relationship, um, I was pretty much kind of over it. Mm -hmm. Um, So during this time, um, again, I, I felt like this was his problem and it wasn't my problem. And, um, I basically told him that, yes, we're married, but like we're, we're, we're not a couple. Mm. Don't, I, I really didn't want anything to do with him. I didn't want him to look at me. I told him not to touch me. Um, I was just over what he had done to me for many years not even realizing that he has this problem that is really not his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was ready to just uh, move forward with just me and my son and whatever Matt had to do to take care of himself. I, I, I wished him well. I just thought that... Again, it was his problem, and he needed to do whatever he needed to do to take care of himself, and he needed to do that alone. So essentially, it was you and your son, mm-hmm. and then your husband over here doing mm-hmm. his thing, mm-hmm. and just living underneath the same roof, but not really being what people would think as a family, mm-hmm. doing all the things together and mm-hmm. all of that. It was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, the separation and the divide. And um, even though we didn't fight a lot, you can feel the tension oh, in the yeah. house. So I know that our son could feel that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just very hard to move on, but in the same house together. Yeah. So 
what shifted? Because you guys are still married. You're happily married. He actually works with us now, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that shift. Then obviously you guys have just go through that shift. How did you guys get your marriage back together and strong and all of that? Yeah, so I was basically looking back. I saw all the ways how he, um, I saw all the lies, Mm. all the deceit, um, all the ways that he manipulated me. And, um, and it got me pretty upset. Yeah. And I, he would go to his meetings and he would share with me and I couldn't really relate, but, um, I would listen. Mm -hmm. And, um, before I knew it, his actions started to back up his words. Oh, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time when I thought I would sense something, um, like I would balance our checking account Mm -hmm. and I would total up like, oh my gosh, he has spent like this much money at the liquor store more than we spend in food in a week and I would bring it to his attention and um, he would throw me off his tracks. And so um, that happened plus other things um, many times. And I just realized that when his actions started to back up his words, like there would be a certain situation where I just knew I knew how he was going to respond or what he was going to do or what he was going to say. And he didn't respond that way. Mm -hmm. And it just stopped me and made me think like, this is strange. This is not the norm. And before I knew it, he kept doing the next right thing. And his actions started to back up his words for a period of time, almost to where like, okay, I think he's changing. And I almost couldn't deny the changes that I was seeing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to mention it to him either because I just was, I didn't want to be let down. It just felt too good to be true. And And I hear that all the time. Yeah, it was, I I didn't know how long it was going to last. And so his, uh, he just kept doing the next right thing. And before I knew it, there was a day when I felt like writing him a note. Like, mm. I'm telling you, Amy, I was done. <laughs> I had my exit plan. I was ready to move forward. Um, again, I wished him well, but I just, I wanted him to be well, but I wanted myself to be well as well, but separate. Yeah. And, um, I felt the need to write him this note and put it on his windshield wiper when he was at AA. Okay. And, um, just telling him how proud I was of him and I'm writing this note and I'm thinking, what am I doing? Um, this is just 
the opposite of how I've been feeling for the past few months. Wow. And so I had wrote him this note and put it on his windshield wiper so that he can receive it once he stepped out of his AA meeting. And that was a real turning point for the both for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, me just recognizing his change and um, and him just acknowledging that that I'm coming around and maybe this could work. Yeah. So let me back up just a little Mm -hmm. bit. So what I heard you saying is you, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. okay, Um, there's almost a sense of comfort in when you were almost used to being manipulated in a sense. Mm -hmm. You didn't like it by any means, but there was a sense of comfort. And so when stuff started to change, Mm -hmm. it was like, this is uncomfortable. I'm not used to this. Is this real or not that, you know, um, you're, it's, you're trying, you start to doubt, you start to wonder, Mm -hmm. is this for real this time? Is this just words, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, and that is common. And, you know, sometimes I tell um, people I talked to on the phone, nothing changes if nothing changes. And right. sometimes um, that change, we even get used to it. We get um, in that cycle of codependency, we get addicted to fixing and getting in and ma- manipulating even our loved ones that when they start to change and they start, we start to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, this is throwing me off right. on how I normally respond. Right. And so there is a sense of comfort in the chaos. Right. So it's just a weird thing. Um, that, so I heard you talking kind of about that and the changing and just wondering. And then it almost sounds like something in you is like, I'm going to write this letter. And then something changed within you mm-hmm. as you wrote this letter mm-hmm. to your husband. Mm-hmm. So how did he respond to this letter? He was surprised. Okay. And shocked mm-hmm. and thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, everyone's rock bottom is different. Mm-hmm. And he didn't lose anything during this whole time. Um, but him attending his AA meetings and hearing stories of others who have lost mm-hmm. um, family and friends and jobs. Um, he was just very thankful that it didn't go that far for him. And, um, yeah, me just writing that letter was our way of mending our relationship. Although it's strange because as he was healing in one way, Mm -hmm. getting clean and sober, I'm healing in another way because I'm realizing I I have to go through the wake of what he's done and realize all that he's done. So yes, we were healing, but we were healing like in two different directions. And we talk about that, how important it is. I mean, when I talk to Hope is Live residents, I'm talking to um, some of the program managers tomorrow actually. And they Mm -hmm. always like, I want my loved one in finding hope i want them to have that healing and stuff so it's you didn't have that though did you or did you attend al-anon or do any of that for yourself through it all i did not okay um 
I didn't know anything about Hope is Alive. I didn't know anything about uh, Finding Hope or heard of Al-Anon. But again, I thought, well, this is his problem. Mm-hmm. This is not my problem. Yep. <laughs> he needs to fix himself, not me. Yeah. And uh, now I know how beneficial that would have been to me to be with a community or a group of people who are going through similar things. Yeah, absolutely. So um, why do you believe recovery is important for the whole family and not just for our loved ones? Well, um, in my husband's addiction, I was basically, I mean, I was missing my husband. Mm. I was missing my best friend. I, uh, for our son, he didn't have the father that he should have been and the mentor that he should have had. And now that he's clean and sober, I mean, we started this life together. And now that he's clean and sober, I'm realizing um, what a huge part he is in all of this and um, how big of a help he is to just not me when he's whole as Mm -hmm. a person, but to my family and to our friends and his community and the people that we work with. And I, in his addiction, I would just, before I could put a finger on it, I just thought, why, why can't we be like other families or Mm. what it, or what other families portray themselves to be. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, um, like, why was it so hard? That's just all I wanted. And, um, and now he is, it's funny because we say like the roles have reversed. Um, he is like the better half of us now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) You guys are both pretty good. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. And he's completely responsible and, um, he is just, he is becoming exactly who God made him to be mm. without all that other mess. Yeah. And yes. he's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So what would you, what kind of advice would you give someone out there listening that's in maybe our shoes that mm-hmm. they're maybe their spouse is still actively using. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's kind of like where you were like, okay, their spouse started to get in recovery, but they still were just had that hurt and still had that exit plan. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about, what would you tell somebody um, that could relate to us? What would, what piece of advice or encouragement would you tell someone? The best advice someone gave me was my brother. Okay. I thought, wow, well, now I can put a finger on this. I know what he's been doing all these years. This is my excuse um, to leave or move on or do whatever I wanted to do. But I was encouraged to just wait and to be still and to not make any rash decisions and um and just talk to God mm-hmm. so um I was 
kind of upset with that advice because I thought, well, I have spent my whole entire life with this man. Mm. Like now I know I thought I had an excuse to finally move on with the things that mm-hmm. I wanted to do. But um, I did. Like you I, had your answer now. I can't yeah, leave, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, but I did and I, I waited and um, I spent a lot of time with God and um, I just wanted to see what God was going to do through that. Um, I also, I, so I would just encourage others out there to just um, wait and find resources mm. and find a community of others that are walking through the same thing. I wish I, I wish I had that. I wish I would have known that sooner mm-hmm. because I really thought I was alone. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one who was walking through this. In fact, I didn't actually um, tell anyone about what was happening until Matt was one year clean and sober. Are you serious? A whole entire year. Why do you feel like that? Why do you feel like you waited a whole year? Um, I was embarrassed and I was ashamed mm-hmm. and I didn't, I thought people would judge me mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, I was afraid of what my coworkers and my boss would think. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was just so embarrassed. I didn't know of any other family that was like this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I finally came clean with, after a year, I was so proud of him, mm-hmm. after one year, because both him and I could not believe it, um, that he was clean and sober for an entire year. And that's when I started um, telling my story mm-hmm. and um, telling others what I've been walking through. And I wish I had done it sooner because I didn't know how many other people were affected by the same thing. Mm. Um, I feel like everyone's affected by this and, um, in one way or another. Absolutely. I am. Yes. 110%. And so, um, I wish I would have came out sooner. I have so many people reached out to me, um, in the same situation or, um, or they've known someone in the same situation. And I just wish I would have shared sooner so that, I can get the support that I needed mm-hmm. and, and to know that I wasn't alone. So there is, you are not alone, <laughs> which I thought I was. And there is a community and support out there um, that is there for you to help. Yeah, absolutely. So let me kind of wrap up what you kind of said there at the end. Um, And I like to leave everyone with a challenge. And so I love what you talked about and how God, um, Matt, Matt was already always there, right? Mm -hmm. He was, God created him. He was already, and then addiction took over. Mm -hmm. But when he got clean and sober, you got to see the real Matt again, right? right. And so um, I love what you said about, and I want to challenge our listeners today that maybe if you're out there in that, the midst of the storm, maybe your loved one is sober and you just don't know what to do. The next step, you're just 
still walking on those eggshells. And Mm -hmm. so take the advice that Gazelle's brother gave her. Be still Mm -hmm. and wait. And just, you don't, I tell people this all the time, Gazelle, you you don't want to make any decision today. Right. You know, especially if you're making it out of emotion. And my last podcast was about responding versus reacting a couple episodes ago. And so we need to be still Mm -hmm. and pray. And journal is a huge thing too. Mm -hmm. And something else as you're talking, um, early on after my husband went to rehab and I was in counseling for myself and my counselor had me do something which was so powerful and it kind of, not really what you did. You wrote a letter of encouragement to your, um, to Matt, Mm -hmm. but what she had me do. And so is to write a letter to the disease of addiction Mm, and how healing that was not to Shane. I, Shane still to this day has never read it and he never will read it. You know, Mm -hmm. it was for my healing and I got to read it to my counselor. Mm -hmm. And so just that healing process that comes with that. And so maybe you're in that midst of you trying to be still and wait, but you're angry and all that. So just write it all out. You know, you can write it all out, tear it up, burn it, do whatever you need, but get it out. And, I love that you said, I wish I would have shared. And so maybe that's a challenge today. Maybe you need to just pray for discernment. I'm not saying go to the mountaintop and shout out that your loved one is addicted to drugs or alcohol, but pray for discernment. Find that safe person because the enemy wants us not to open up and share, right? right, right. He wants us to be weighed down by what we're going through. Right. And so once we can open up, that healing can begin for ourselves. And maybe you don't feel like you have anyone in your circle. So get plugged into one of our Finding Hope meetings. There's confidential. There's, you know, there's safe place for you to realize, like Gazelle is saying, you're not alone in this. And so um, that would be my challenge today. If you feel like that as well is let's get plugged in and be still and wait for God as well. Wait for him to show you the answer. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be in a week. It might be six months, a year down the road. You know, we just have to wait for him. And I know that's hard and difficult, but I also, I just love, um, seeing you and Matt today. And I can't imagine, you know, what, 10 years ago where you guys were and stuff and just what encouragement it is for myself, um, as well as I'm sure the other staff that get to see you guys thriving and living this life that God has intended you to do together. Um, So thank you. Thank you so much for being transparent and sharing with us today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And thank you guys out there listening. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And you can learn more about Finding Hope at Hope. Dot today. But before you go, we would love for you to give us a five-star review and share this on social media and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next hope-filled episode. Thanks again for joining me, Amy LaRue, and our special guest, Gazelle, in this episode of Finding Hope. And remember, you are not alone. It's not your fault. And there is hope. <laughs>